everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. So if you went through some other sports book tonight and lost a bunch of money betting on uh, St. Mary's plus 40-something in a billion and you still probably didn't cover the spread, you should be doing it on BetOnline. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost everything you can imagine, and of course, they've got the 24-hour online casino. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to the Spider Scoop Podcast, episode 36. As always, I'm your host, Noah Goldberg, with ESPN Richmond, and I am not joined by my struggling Charlotte Hornets fan today, and that's Austin Daisy. He is at home. I'm pretty sure he doesn't have power, so he's been running on cell cell service, so we don't have him today, but we've got two uh, awesome guys in the room today. As always, joined by Nick Sherrod, led the league in three-point shooting a season ago. He has scored over 1,000 points in his career as a Richmond Spider and joined by actually the very first guest of the Spider Scoop podcast has a longer running relationship with this podcast than Nick Sherrod does actually. Wayne Epps writes about the VCU Rams for the Richmond Times Dispatch. Wayne, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you back, man. It's been, what's it, February? I guess it's been about a year since you were on uh, for the inaugural episode. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We're doing great work, so uh, glad to be back on and uh, definitely enjoy following you for sure. Yeah, well, I- I'm surprised we made it this far. We're still up and running, so fingers crossed. Keep it going. We're still we're still churning through. Um, we're just fresh off of a, a – I'm sure you saw a little bit of a blowout win over St. Mary's. Richmond just had a tune-up game, uh, playing a D3 opponent coming off a of COVID pause. Uh, VCU played a, a very different opponent uh, this weekend. So we'll, we'll jump into that. And obviously Richmond is going to the Seagull Center this Wednesday. So Wayne's going to help us preview that game, talk about the two teams, the conference as a whole. But Wayne, why don't just to start, um, you know, this is obviously a matchup as it is every year that everyone looks forward to. It's always on national television. And, and this year, I mean, I, I think last year was maybe more anticipated because VCU was expected to be the best team in the conference and, Richmond was kind of up and coming this year, a little bit different role reversal, but still got a great matchup. Richmond preseason conference favorites down a little bit right now, but still a top four team in the league. And of course, VCU, I mean, you guys were, you know, picked ninth, I think to finish uh, preseason and at the top of the conference right now, um, just beat St. Bonaventure this weekend. So a competitive matchup as expected, but different, some new faces on both sides, but a lot of new faces on VCU. 
notably Marcus Evans gone, Marcus Santos Silva's gone among multiple other guys that left. Why don't you just start to give some of the Richmond fans who may not be familiar with the personnel, what are the biggest changes? What's Bones Highland been up to this year? He's been doing things. You know, you got a good young point guard in Ace Baldwin. How's this team different from last year? Yeah, like I said, uh, so some major losses, including Marcus Evans and then four other seniors. And then uh, Marcus Santos Silva, who, who uh, transferred to Texas Tech, was a, a rising senior, uh, played well as a junior last year. So um, that's that's why, you know, BC was picked ninth in the preseason poll. There's just sort of so many questions about the team heading in, uh, you know, a very young team. Uh, you have a, a lot of freshmen and sophomores who are uh, major contributors, major parts of the rotation, um, you know, led by a sophomore and Bones Highland. But then you have a true freshman, Ace Baldwin, who stepped in as a starting point guard. Um, you know, you have freshmen like Jameer Watkins and Mikel Brown-Jones who, who are contributing as well. Um, so, so, so it's a very different looking VCU team. Um, uh, so again, that's why some of the expectations weren't as high heading in. But I think what was crucial for them was on um, the way they played out in the, um, the Bad Boy Mowers Cross the Road Classic to start the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, beating uh, Utah State and, and also, um, you know, beating uh, Memphis there too to start the season two and one and play well against West Virginia as well. I think that gave them some early confidence and they've kind of carried that on and it's just built and built into conference play. Um, and, and uh, you know, Bones Highland is, you know, now with these seniors guys really taking on um, the load on his shoulders, the scoring load. Uh, you see uh, Vince Williams who's a junior now. Um, he's finally healthy. He was battling some stuff last year. Now he's finally healthy and shooting the ball well. Um, and so, and then Ace Baldwin has played very um, sure-handed at, at point guard. Um, nice assist to turn over ratio for him as a freshman as well. So, um, some new guys stepping into new roles, some new faces, but um, they they play well and they play really good defense too. You, you see more of that that havoc back um, too. They're doing a good job forcing turnovers. So, uh, that's that's what's kind of um, vaulted them to this first place spot in the league right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I'm glad you mentioned the havoc there because I think some people, you know, the talk at the beginning of the year, and I always go back to this quote Mike Rhodes had. I don't know if you remember it, but he said, like, we're going to beat some teams we shouldn't beat and we're going to lose to some teams we shouldn't lose. And they're actually kind of moving past that and just beating teams left and right now. But, I mean, they're – because the thing was, like you said, it's a high upside team with a lot of talent, but there's a lot of new faces. And I think a lot of us didn't necessarily expect it to be, you know, maybe a good defense, but not the all-out havoc in – it's been pretty close to that. I mean, I think 15th in Kempom and in defensive efficiency. How has Mike Rhodes been able to keep this team despite so many new faces and, and just changing, you know, changing a roster, keep it such an elite and just suffocating defense? I think uh, I think it's just by recruiting guys who come from, you know, programs, you know, with, with the lead defenses to start for one. Uh, that's, that's something that's very important to them. Um and, and also just kind of recruiting guys who, who fit their culture and want to play defense. Uh, that's not, that's another big thing too. And uh, so again, even though these guys are freshmen, they come from, you know, some, some good high school programs and, and good grassroots programs. And they kind of uh, know what VCU is all about and coming with that expectation. And they know to play, they have to play good, good defense. Um, and so I think they've kind of just ingrained themselves in, in that, in that culture right away. And, uh, also, again, I think just having that early success to this season and seeing seeing how they can how the defense turned into offense, how effective that is for, for this BC team. I think that's that's kind of uh, built up some confidence too on the defensive end and helped them as well. And, and one of the things, you know, with their full court pressure, a lot of times the guys at the top of that are Ace and Bones, and um, you know, Ace and Bones have known each other for a long time, even before BCU. I think uh, you know, Bones kind of helped recruit. Ace to BC a little, little bit too, just with the relationship. So I mean that that even helps with their their press. Just those guys have known each other for a long time, and they kind of have that chemistry going at the top of the press too. So uh, a lot of a lot of different factors factors there I think have contributed. Also, the around the rim defense. We've seen a, a sign Ward now, a sophomore, 
um, really take a, a big leap and now leading the team in, in, uh, in blocks too. Um, with this 7-4 wingspan, has been very beneficial for the round of them defense too. So all that is kind of stirred into the pot um, to help help them, um, you know, press well, but also defend well on the half court and, um, and be where they are right now with all the, the, the uh, impressive defensive stats. Nick, you're obviously about as familiar as as one can be from an opponent's perspective with VCU. Played them many times over the years, and I'm sure watched them play in in high school growing up in Richmond. Um, in in your time and in, in the games you haven't had success, in the games you have, um, you know, what have you seen? And what is the key, especially on Wednesday for Richmond? What can a what can a team do against that havoc defense that can make them successful? How do you not become suffocated by that? How do you pick it apart? What are the things you got to do right against? such an aggressive defense like that? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is that you don't want to get sped up. I feel like for the most part, that when, when teams are playing them that have a lot of trouble, uh, not just this year, but in the past, they get sped up. I think that, you know, that's kind of the, the one of the main principles, I would say, of their, of their defense. They want to speed you up. They want to trap the ball handler. They want to get the ball into un- unfamiliar guys' hands. They're going to make guys who aren't used to having the ball make, make decisions with the ball that, you know, they're not accustomed to making. So I would say that the biggest thing in when teams tend to have success, usually their, their guard plays really good. They're able to handle the press. The full court doesn't affect them as much. But I'd also say that, you know, from the wings and all those guys, they have to be ready to, to make those decisions as well. Because sometimes you're going to have to come up, they're going to trap the point guard. The center's going to have to come up and make plays. So I think the biggest thing is just making sure that you're comfortable with the ball, you're confident, and you're not going to let them rush you. You can't have, you know, what we would call them as pick sixes. You can't allow them to get live ball turnovers. You know, that feeds into them. And I think, you know, the energy that they bring on defense comes from a lot from getting turnovers, getting fast break points and stuff like that. So even if you have a turnover, you know, sometimes we'll even say we'll take a shot clock violation as opposed to, you know, throwing the ball away because you don't want them to get going. You know, the less they can set up the press, the better that you'll better chance you'll have. So I would say that, you know, scoring on offense helps, but also just being controlled and, and not getting too, you know, uncomfortable because they're going to make their runs. They're going to get their steals, but you want to limit them and not get too rattled when those things happen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And how do you, how do you think that you know the personnel difference for you guys changes the matchup this year? Obviously, like we've talked about it over, over and over again, Nick's kind of you know inserted himself into your slot in the starting lineup, and you know I guess you lose the shooting in a way because Tyler's still a great shooter, but you're more of a you could spot up and pretty reliable catch and shoot guy. Tyler just a little bit little bit different type of of shooter, but how does that change in just the flow of the offense? We've seen him kind of get shaky at times, you know, knowing the offense. Obviously, super talented, but you know, like you said this is the last time that you'd want to swap out a sophomore for a senior because you don't want to get sped up. Um, how, how do you see him being in there and his new role this year changing things? I don't think it will change it too much. Uh, I feel like, you know, Tyler brings some athleticism and some confidence and he's going to be able to make some of those plays where we might have a, you know, three on two advantage. He's going to be able to make some plays around the rim that, you know, I would probably wouldn't be able to make or, you know, that even other guys on the team are going to be able to make. I mean, but I think, again, like I said, the biggest thing is going to be how Blake and Jacob handle the pressure. Um, obviously, like Tyler and Nate, are gonna have a chance to make plays with the ball. But one thing that was interesting about the matchup last year—the first time we played them, we didn't have Blake. Second time that we played them, they didn't have Marcus. So now both teams have their full rosters available. All the guards are gonna be there. You know, everybody's gonna be playing. So I'm interested to see how that works because again, I feel like last year both teams didn't really get a, get a chance to you know play each other at full strength. And you know, when the other team was down, you know, the other team was able to take advantage in a, in a huge way. So I'm excited to see, especially you know. What does you know Bones look like picking up Jacob full court the whole game? What does Blake look like chasing Bones around all game? How's Ace gonna handle you know being able to guard somebody like Jacob or Blake all game? Those are gonna be the biggest matchups that I'm that I'm looking forward to when I when I'm watching that game. We wanted to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. 
whether Rare Deadstock or the latest release find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators will verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects the sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers of $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Wayne, what are some of the key matchups you're looking at in this one? Nick obviously just rolled through a few of them. Um, I'm obviously really excited to see Bones because I was a guy, especially in the first game last year, where I think he only played around 20 minutes or so. He didn't play a lot of big minutes, and he was like five of six from three. And the minutes he was in there, I mean, he was killing them. Um, he didn't do too much in the in the second game, the Robin Center. But any new matchups, whether it's Ace and Gilly or, or anyone else you're looking forward to Wednesday? Yeah, definitely Ace and Gilly. That's, that's one I want to kind of examine, hopefully, in a story you know, this week and uh, – uh, just the, the differences there, um, you know, one, I was being a senior and, and one being a freshman, but they're both, you know, two of the best uh, guys are getting steals in the country. Uh, you know, I know Jacob right now is leading in Kempon's steal percentage and, and, um, and Ace is right up there as well on top 30. So, um, you know, just how, how those guys are able to kind of disrupt each, each other's teams, you know, and, uh, and, and just what that matchup looks like is going to be key. Uh, the VCU has kind of overall uh, struggled with turnovers um, this year. They've done better the last two games. I just ate at, at Dayton last Tuesday and 11 on Friday against Ivanovich, but um, the turnovers has been one of the things that's kind of hurt them even even through their success this year. So how they kind of handle handle the pressure from both sides of the steals will be intriguing. And then inside too, um, definitely intrigued with uh, like again a sign, but also Levi Stocker, um, the parents for these guys from Kansas State this offseason. He's been playing better on um, these last uh, three or four games too. How he matches up. Uh, inside it as well, I think um, with against Golden will be impressive, and, and then uh, against Burden as well with Corey Douglas and um, Mikael Brown Jones inside too, and um, you see sometimes Vince Williams at the four as well. So um, those those matchups going to be um, very very intriguing inside as who's able to kind of assert themselves inside. I think one thing is that the BCU has asked of Levi's to be able to a little bit more maybe assertive inside, and so. Um, you know, against against a big fan like Golden, like this is a chance for him to kind of uh, maybe prove himself a little bit even more uh, too on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think the most intriguing thing for me is who's going to guard Grant Golden. Um, so you look back and, you know, like you said, it's it could probably by committee, quite honestly, it's going to be some combo of Hassan Ward and Levi Stockard, like you mentioned, maybe Jameer Watkins. But because I, I looked back last year and, you know, traditionally Richmond has not been a good rebounding team. Um, last year, I think towards the bottom of the conference, but maybe they cleaned up defensively. But I think in the second game last year, I looked back and Richmond actually out rebounded VCU 40 to 39 in the one game they did win against VCU. So clearly, you know, they've got to compete on the boards. And if they don't, but losing Marcus Santos Silva just, I mean, completely changes the game. Um, you know, Grant Golden wasn't super active tonight against St. Mary's, but it's a D3 tune up. So I don't know how much stock to put into that. But I do think the biggest thing is, you know, we've said it over on this podcast, but. Grant Golden stopping him in that matchup is so intriguing because it's not necessarily about getting a big physical guy. Like I know Marco Santos Silva wasn't tall, but he's a physical player. That's not always the guy you need to stop Grant Golden. The way to stop him is to, you know, make that first entry past him really difficult. Like we've said, not let him get in the high post on that first pass. So, so I would be intrigued just to see how the supporting guys and, 
you know, maybe guys coming off to help some of the guards up top, really trying to disrupt his positioning and where he's getting the ball even more so than, than working him on the block. So we'll see though. I don't know how that's going to play out. So definitely excited uh, for that one. Um, so you've been in the Seagull Center, obviously this year, you've been covering the games and to quote our friend, John Rothstein, uh, Seal Center, was it more life altering than a 10 day trip to Europe? Not this year though. No fans in the building. A uh, repeated theme in this episode has been energy. Richmond not having energy today in a D3 game. VCU obviously wants to get you going and make you move fast, having defense. Have you felt that effect in the games, being in the Seagull Center, where they're not getting the crowd into it, they don't have the fans, but it seems like the defense is still intense. How have you seen that just affecting some of these games so far? Yeah, tr- truly, I think it really it, it hasn't as much as maybe you, you may have thought it was would before the season, like – um, like I said, you know, the, the crowd is usually right there. You know, if they get a, a big defensive stop, a big turnover, uh, those are the things. And a typical year, the crowd go the craziest, or the band go the craziest. Um, but this year, without that, uh, I think they've still done a good job of kind of um, creating the energy for themselves. Uh, so that hasn't been a little bit of a factor this year. Um, as maybe I thought it, it, it could have been. Um, of course, VC is allowing like the 250 in. It's not a ton of students either. It's like 25 students, um, mostly mm-hmm. season ticket holders, um, and also a little bit of. Uh, players, family, and friends. Um, so definitely, definitely not the, the typical type of atmosphere. They like every like every program have a little bit of I guess white um, fan noise in the background, and then um, they play like some Pepe's tracks over the speakers too. But definitely not anywhere close to to what it typically is. But I think um, VCU has done a good job of not really letting, letting that affect them as, as much. Um, you could say I don't know. I don't know. If it's fair to, to, to kind of um, relate these two things, but VCU has kind of struggled sometimes with finishing games uh, when they're up, um, kind of keeping the foot on the pedal. Maybe that had a little bit, you can contribute a little bit to, to not having the, the fans there to keep the energy up in the building when they have a lead. You saw that even against St. Bonaventure when St. Bonaventure creep, creep back in and um, VCU was able to hold on. But I think by and large, VCU has done a good job of not letting that affect them um, overall. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of St. Bonaventure, while we're, while we're on the subject of teams at the top of the conference right now, like you said, you know, these are St. Bonaventure, Richmond, uh, VCU, obviously three of probably four teams throwing St. Louis, you know, kind of in the at-large uh, on the bubble vying for. I think Lenardi has uh, VCU in, and then I want to say St. Bonaventure in the last four in, um, and then Richmond and SLU in that in that first four out. Uh, Nick, obviously two chances coming up, uh, two more against VCU. Um, presumably we'll probably get at least – a game against St. Bonaventure or St. Louis in addition to what's scheduled. Uh, they have one scheduled against St. Louis uh, still yet to come. So there's going to be some chances, but whether it's winning both against VCU, both against VCU and St. Louis, what do you need to see out of this team down the final stretch with a lot of opportunities to push them onto the right side of the bubble? Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about it, but just consistency. I would say for, for the guys, I think just focusing on one game at a time. I think, I, I think sometimes maybe you let the big picture you know, take over what what your day to day activities are, what your day to day operations are, what you need to get better at each day. So I think for the rest of the season, I think it will be good to see, you know, instead of focusing on whether we're not whether or not we're in the tournament, what this game means for our net or anything like that. Let's just go focus on winning the game uh, on the road on Wednesday, and then after that, we take care of what we can take care of. So I just want to see you know consistency from the guys, energy. I like to see a lot better defense. I think that's something something that we've been struggling with a lot um, this year. I thought we had cleaned it up a little bit uh, last year, but it's been kind of a weakness for us this year. So I think you know, a good defensive show would be something I'd be really interested to see on Wednesday, but just energy really and making sure that we clean up everything that, you know, been, has been kind of a struggle for us. Yeah. Yeah. Wayne, at this point in the season, are you, you know, looking back to the start of the year, are you, 
you know, I think a lot of people could have kind of pegged VCU as a dark horse given they were picked ninth and, and knowing that upside. But are you still a little bit surprised to see it's like, all right, I could have ninth, maybe SCS be a sneaky three or four team. But to see VCU atop the conference and and pretty comfortably in, in the field right now, at least according to Lenardi. It is surprising. Uh, just again, with it being how young they are, like, uh, and I know that these guys were some, some you know, talented recruits. And again, they kind of fit VCU's system and culture. But at the same time, to see how they, um, you know, come in and step in right away and taking on this load right away and done it done it so so well, I think it, it is surprising. I think, you know, it's maybe a little bit ahead of schedule, what you thought they might have been. Um, just kind of, I think heading in, you could have looked at this as maybe a little bit of a um, transition year, just come, losing those five seniors and losing Santos Silva. But uh, they stepped in and, and, uh, and been better than they were last year at this point. You know, obviously last year they had the struggles down the stretch uh, with a team that was expected to be um, a contender in the league. So I, I think I think it is it is surprising to see how how quickly um, these guys have all assimilated and played at this this level. Uh, it's definitely surprising. Yeah, yeah. I think definitely we all just have to hope at this point that A10 doesn't keep cannibalizing itself. If Richmond goes and beats VCU twice. If they take another few losses, all of a sudden all the teams are on the wrong side of the bubble. So. Hopefully we can get, I mean, two bids right now, borderline four bids. So, so we're going to see what happens. Um, lastly, we'll just t- to wrap it up here again, looking at this game on Wednesday, uh, kind of the interesting thing I feel like looking back is especially last year when they were two pretty competitive teams, neither VCU game was particularly close for Richmond. VCU pretty much blew Richmond out uh, in the Seagull center after a close first half, second half, it really got out of hand. And then of course, uh, Spiders won by, I want to say 18, I believe, uh, in the Robin Center. Big game from Nick and Nat one. Uh, do you think this is, will be a close game? Because it's been four straight games now that have been decided by double digits or more between these two teams. I think I think it will. I think it will. Um, I think, you know, just as you mentioned with the way VCU has played, uh, the table kind of flipped. But uh, again, Richmond was picked up to win the league. They're still they're still a quality team. And I think it just maybe kind of affected by the pause that, that Richmond has had. Um, but there's still a lot of talent on, on that side as well. So I think it's going to be a close game. And again, I think the experience can end up being a factor with just all those seniors, uh, upperclassmen for Richmond versus all these, these freshmen and sophomores to reach to you. That could be something that, that's tricky. And also just uh, Richmond's offense, I think will be a key thing to watch coming in. Just obviously the intricacies of that offense and how efficient it is and how, um, you know, uh, you know, Richmond does a good job not turning the ball over a whole lot, which is, again, VCU's bread and butter. So Richmond does a good job of uh, taking care of the ball, not getting sped up, playing the way you want to play uh, with some experience. Uh, I think they definitely have a, you know, a good, gives them a good shot and, um, and you know, get, kind of bodes well for a close game. So, uh, so we'll see how it goes. But I, th- I definitely think it's going to be closer than the last couple. Yeah. Nick, you agree? You think it's going to be a closer one? Yeah, no, no doubt. I think that uh, the past couple games are a little bit of anomalies, just how competitive the games have been even since I've been there. So, you know, both teams are playing really well. It's going to be a competitive game. I think, you know, the, the rivalry, you know, tends to, you know, add some points to whoever is the the, the, the underdog team is anyway. So, you know, I feel confident it's going to be a close game and a really exciting game. And kind of like Wayne said, I think the experience um, could come into effect. But I also think, you know, maybe them playing at home, the energy that they play with, I think they kind of have taken after, you know, Bones and um, uh, Ace's kind of personalities as they play. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how we match that intentionally intensity uh, you know how we meet them you know physically and that stuff so i expect it to be a really really close game yeah i think i think you both kind of hit on the head here it's i, I think the two things are are energy and, and playing clean and i think that if it's a clean game i think that's richmond's advantage and i think if richmond comes with 
80% of their full capacity of energy, I think it plays to their advantage. I think, like you said, Nick, don't let them speed you up, I think is the biggest thing. And I think Wayne has a great point too with this being a team full of seniors because if they go out there and play like a team full of seniors like they are and they keep it clean and they know there's no fans in the building, you know, the crazy Seagull Center, um, there's no reason why they can't compete and win that game. But we even saw tonight against St. Mary's. I mean, they had some really careless turnovers tonight. Um, Andre even said after the game, they're only at about 80% of uh, coming off this COVID pause in terms of game shape and, and getting back into it. So, and, and even Chris Mooney admitted he doesn't, you know, think every player is going to be at 100% on Wednesday. So, not in terms of health, just just getting back into it. So, if they come out low energy as as we've seen them do, like against LaSalle and some other games, you know, you see them let VCU control the, the flow and the tempo of the game. You know, things things could get ugly, but if they stay in pace and I think stay in control and something you've said a lot, Nick, on here is is play within yourself. I think that's what they have to do to win. And I, I think it's just them playing control is what it comes down to. Um, that's going to be it from us, uh, Spider Scoop 36. We've got uh, Richmond, VCU, uh, 7 p.m. in the Seagull Center this Wednesday on CBS Sports Network, I believe. Um, Wayne, thank you so much for joining us. Recurring guest now, the original guest on the Spider Scoop podcast, makes his return for what should have been a while ago, but we've finally at long last. We have a Richmond. We have a VCU game coming up this Wednesday. Wayne, man, thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. So I always, uh, always love being on. Always, always welcome back. Make sure everyone go give Wayne a follow on Twitter. Make sure to check out all his stuff on Richmond Times Dispatch. Guys, the best coverage of the Rams uh, pretty much out there. So make sure to follow his work if you're, unfortunately, if you're a Rams fan. So we'll cut you guys some slack. But uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Noah Goldberg 10 for uh, spider basketball content. Can't follow Nick because Nick's hiding behind a burner account, like we say. So try to find it if you can. Uh, Give us a like, give us a subscribe, Apple, uh, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts, and tune in later this week, and we'll have a recap of VCU. There's a war going on outside that nobody's safe from, but here in my arms, I'll keep you from harm. There's no guarantee tonight that we will wake up when night takes the morning. But if no alarm rings, you can count on one thing. I'll be your shelter. Emergency. Please count on me. Yeah. I'll be your superhero when danger arrives. I'll be by your side. You're my lucky uh, time. What club told me call 911? Who do you call when the ambulances don't come or watch as the ones swarmed by law to protect us? Wrongfully convict us, then call the corrections. Next, they build a banks up when we in recession. And hang us in the jail cell so they can swing the elections. I walk Chicago streets with potholes as deep and Tahoes creep like TLC. Hospital workers and squirrels with no PPE, but they got money for riot gear. My nigga, we dying here, yeah. You tell me not to move with my gun, but we got more funeral homes than schools where I'm from and on the news. All you view is homicides. Tell me why it ain't no trauma units when everybody traumatized. Trying to get on your feet, playing a hand they dealt you. If your house is not a home, let this song be your shelter. 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 I'll be your shelter. Emergency. Please count on me. Yeah. I'll be your superhero. 
Pass under the underpass. Rumbling stomachs, cups, jingle when hummus pass. Brisk when summer's done, winter is coming fast. And then they zoom, teach them wonder why they don't come to class. The internet been out, the hot water been out. She moved to her aunt's house, then to her friend's couch. The abuser went to jail, but that nigga been out. Producer was in house, they closer than pen pals. Homeless in the home of the slaves, I wonder how that would feel. The manifested destiny, a bunch of land they could steal. Think about Kenneth Walker and Philando Castile, how they only wanted to protect their family. While it's niggas out here that make it worse for they folks It's a deeper how to hell for the worst of these folks It's a mystery, we never heard the murder she wrote If we finally paid her back, the whole earth to be broke I'll be your shelter Emergency Please count on me, yeah I'll be your superhero When danger arrives I'll be by your side Right for my niggas doing life with no possibility of parole. You playing Fortnite, that's how long he's spending a hole. Live from death row, free my nigga Julius Jones. I had a dream that Mumia was home. I speak freedom in song. Cause all I see is racist faces where hate lives and they rape kids in cages. What kind of nation? Lynch Elijah McClan and send us to the Middle East to die for the flag. They drive us insane to sell us medication. We demand reparations and they tell us have patience. Instead of cash payments, we get minimum wage. They give us the black plague, then send us a white savior. I found faith when I lost hope. That's when Julius reminded me of a bar I wrote. Behind bars on the yard where they dream of the street. On death row singing, we could be free. We could be free. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.